It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Every time I tell somebody I do poetry for a living, they look at me weird. Like they don't believe that it's possible. I tell them that it is. I tell them I don't make my living off giving people reasons to buy a CD. That's crazy. I make my living off giving people reasons to live outside the box, outside the cell block, outside the cubicle. I tell them that a life lived without boundaries is beautiful. I tell them that the body can do whatever the mind chooses to. And I ain't got no illusions of grandeur. I know where my story ends, but yours begins whenever you get ready to move. Want to be a lawyer? Take your ass back to school. You only got a short time on this earth, so while you're here, you better find your niche and work on it like your life depends upon it because tomorrow isn't promised failure's not an option want to be a dancer get it popping work your angles like an architect with all your tears blood and sweat then disregard the people that'll tell you you're crazy because they too scared or lazy and too complacent to make the necessary changes this life is about risk jumping in with both feet because the answer could be just beneath the surface and the timing ain't never going to be perfect but only two percent of the people on this planet actually do what they want 60 percent of the people on this planet work for them the other 38 percent are just too too far gone, so you better get in where you fit in while you still can, otherwise die wondering what could have been, and when you think about it like that, doing poetry for a living makes perfect sense, it puts me in that 2%, I only answer to God, program managers can't censor my shit, I'm a prophet that prophesies and profits, no gimmicks, I give it to you the same way God gave it to me, the pen is a pistol, the words are a nightstick, I just beat you over the head till you submit, no blue pill, just red, here's some water, swallow this, and this ain't about performing, this is two doses of reality call me in the morning this is word is born this is you better get your piece of the pie before it's gone this is one part heart four parts persistence cover the pot and let it simmer guess who's coming to dinner opportunities knocking better pop the lock and let them enter this is 2005 you can start a business with an internet connection and a laser printer no excuses get on your mission and consider all this the next time you fix your face to ask me what i do for a living All right, all right. This is Spoken Word Poetry, the art, the industry, the viability. Today we want to ask, our topic is Spoken Word Artist. This is just for you. Define and communicate your business value for sponsorship, collaborations, labels, deal negotiations. You need to understand that you are a business and you need to understand the value of your business so that you can negotiate that value. Um, Our co-host for today is the one and the only, the promoter, the poet, spoken word artist, producer, entrepreneur. She's a Jamaican girl. She got 10 jobs, man. It's Sweet Franchon. She is our co-host for the hour. So I'm going to bring her on. Hello. Hey, sweetheart, Jacqueline, thank you so much for having me tonight. Jamaican of poetry, really? (laughs) (laughs) Really? She got ten jobs, man. (laughs) Oh, my master, man, be happy, yes. (laughs) Oh, girls, listen, let me say this. I'm glad we have the subject matter that we have tonight. Thank you so much for having me. 
Um, everybody, hi, I'm Sweet Franchine, and I'm so glad Jacqueline gave me that introduction today because um, really it's about trying, it's about figuring out your business model and making sure you make time for your art and your creative space so that you can have a sustainable business. So I look forward to sharing with everybody tonight. Thank you. Yes, yes. Well, you hear it. We have the um, we have the expertise for you um, to really have, make this a valid conversation. And for those of you who may be just tuning in or listening in and want to understand what the show is, this show is about the business of poetry because um, spoken word is hot and it's beginning to grab a spotlight in the entertainment industry. So from performance events, publishing, recording, TV to licensing, industry Mondays, um, the business of spoken word, which used to be our name, but spoken word poetry, the art, the industry, the viability, we are here to explore, create, and collaborate how to monetize spoken word, create residual income and opportunities while still keeping the integrity of the art form. That yeah. is why we're here. That is our purpose. So before we get started, we have another caller here that wants to speak, so we're going to bring them on. Hello. How are you? Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Fine. How are you? Yeah, this is Major Ali. How are you, sir? How are you, good sir? <laughs> good, good. Glad to have glad you have me back on. All right. Um, he is also he's from our um, King's Roundtable. I don't know if you remember Francois. Yes, I remember absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome, welcome. So as we start this, I did a post um, in the Facebook event, and I asked. I'm very curious as to how many poets out there do you even consider poetry as an industry, as a viable industry? And when I state that, do you feel that poetry is an industry that you can make a living from? Because if you don't look at poetry, spoken word as an industry, it's hard to look at yourself as a valid business if your mm-hmm. business doesn't reside within some industry. Absolutely. And so then the next step is, do you look at yourself as a business? As an artist, any type of artist, you become a business unto yourself because you are you manufacture the product, which is the art, and you you sell it. You produce it. You manufacture, produce it, and sell it. That mm-hmm. is, that's what mm-hmm. business is. A business is an occupation, profession, or trade. A person, partnership, or corporation engaged in commerce, manufacturing, or service, profit-seeking enterprise or concern. So if your goal is to make money and your hopes and all is to profit from your art, the moment you exchange money for your art, you're engaging in business and commerce. Yes. So um, it's just important that... um, you do look at that. So to that end, if you are a business now, you have to adhere to basic business principles. And each business, you develop a business plan. And that will help you think out all the different things you need. There, You need to know 
these are some some of the questions we're going to pose. First is, what is it that you do? I'm a spoken word artist. What does that mean? There are many different opportunities. Friend Sean, just share some various different things spoken word artists do. Well, you know, as I like to share with everyone, the first thing, like you said, is to be clear on your own, as they say in the fashion industry, your aesthetic. Mm-hmm. What's your vibe? What's your message? What's your purpose? Start there because typically you can align yourself with organizations that have nothing to do with entertainment and the arts who have the same mission and therefore you become valuable to those organizations, whether it be corporate organizations or nonprofits. Once you're able to articulate your mission and your purpose, then that becomes more important than of the fact that you are actually a poet, in my opinion. It also opens up an opportunity for you to um, to get booked with organizations that that have the same mission and purpose. For example, I align myself mostly with jazz musicians because typically it's a very melodic flow, and that's tends to be my cadence and my style. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I have a mission of sharing the message of peace, love, and poetry. I believe part of my mission of Three Franchise Entertainment is to create work that contributes to the collective consciousness of peace and love, um, period. So therefore, you won't find that I speak a lot about, even if I speak on some of the negative cultural things that are affecting us, I always have a message in mind about the hope, about um, carrying on, about um, getting up and moving forward. Um, that Peace is my answer to everything unjust. So, therefore, I'm very clear that that's my mission and that's my purpose. And I also have an affinity for to share my story with um, women who've been abused. With those things being said, I'm able to articulate it to other organizations, and therefore I get commissioned to write specifically for certain organizations or get called to speak and use poetry as a part of my speaking engagement. So that opened up a whole new opportunity for me. In fact, I do a lot of things for the city of Wilmington, for the mayor's office, although I'm not considered the um, the poet laureate, I'm still unofficially the poet laureate because I get called by the mayor's office specifically to perform at certain events because I wrote a couple of poems about the beauty of my city and the things I see in my neighborhoods that people have dismissed or discounted. And so, therefore, I get called to the to, to perform at large functions um, because of that. So I think um, that's just to give everyone an idea to open up. It doesn't have to be just open mics because, be, to be frank with you, you're not going to be sustainable as an artist in business if you're just doing open mics, if you're just doing gigs that only pay you $25 or traveling fees. It's really important to identify your mission and your aesthetic so therefore you can articulate it so you can open your world up to other organizations who um, have those same values. All right. And another way of framing what she state is, well, your mission and your aesthetic is really important because that frames everything that you do. We have a filter because there are a lot of different opportunities, um, and you have a lot of different gifts and passions. Some some things you're more passionate or you're better at than others. That's why Prince Juan, um 
Peace, love, and poetry, you know, that's her echo. That's where she comes from naturally that permeates. It's easy for her to produce in that realm. Now, she could be asked to probably do a million things, but that's not where her strength is. She keeps her focus where it is, and you can generate opportunity. And then what happens out of that merges her brand. Yes. Your brand is how your brand identity, what your brand is, overall you. It is your mission. It is your logo. It is your identifiable quality. It is your tagline, your unique selling proposition. And that's your brand. So you have to visually represent it as well as in your wording and your mission. And everything should align with that brand. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't um, look at peace, love, and poetry and then expect to hear "fuck the police." <laughs> and it's not, not, I didn't say nothing's wrong with that, but now that's like, huh? I come to peace, love, and poetry, and I'm hearing all of this other stuff. You know, it's like, wait a minute. I thought I was at a peace, love, and poetry event. I thought this was the, you know, what's going on is not aligning with the brand. And the purpose right, just like for instance, the the Punani poets. You're very clear on what their mission is and what what type of poetry you're going to expect from them. So, therefore, organizations and people reach out to them specifically who are looking for erotic poetry. Mm-hmm. And um, so what happens, well, what your brand is, it makes you identifiable. It makes it easy. It makes it clear. And people don't have to do a big figuring out who you are. So once you establish that brand, then, you know, that's where you go to promoting and your brand value is very important. When it's clear, because your brand identity is how you want your consumer to view you. Yes. Your brand image is how the consumer perceives you, perceives yes. that brand. And there are two different things. You might want one thing, but what are people's saying about it and what are they telling other people about it. That becomes your brand image. So your goal is to align your identity with your image. You know, so I'm taking a little outside. And then another important part about what you were saying earlier when you talk about the Punani poets. Punani poets does a lot of work with AIDS. They do a lot of things about being safe, sexually, um, you know, sexually transmitted diseases. They do a lot of work around that because that is a place to go to even with erotic poetry. And so they're not just erotic poets when you know, when they want contracts, they want to get paid, they they teach, they teach on safe sex, on AIDS, on how to, you know, anything around that sexual issue. And this is how you start to build your brand around the poetry. And this is how you get a focus, and it, this says who goes after you, who comes after you. And then this other important point is this will dictate your audience. So in when you're looking at what you do, once you define your brand, you want to know, how, now you want to speak on how do I manifest it. You know, we're speaking of spoken word, poetry, that's the platform here. So our first assumption is, of course, that you do performance poetry. That's the spoken word artist. But do you also do written poetry? You can write that poetry down. You can publish it. You can put it in books. 
journals. You can mm-hmm. self-publish. You can submit to journals and anthologies. There's different ways in order to get your name out, your brand out. Be very strategic about that. People are good lyricists, songwriting, doing right. you know, writing lyrics, partnering with with um, singers, great revenue source, um, customized poetry, doing um, custom work for people, commission work. And so, um, and then you recorded poetry. You know, hopefully, you know, that is something you all should be doing is recording your poetry one way or another, whether you're writing it, audio, and nowadays video is necessary. But mm-hmm. you definitely want to somehow record that poetry, and again, um, that could be a focus. Taking your poetry, and this is where we talk about other lines of revenue, but uh, and putting on merchandise. How do you merchandise the poetry? You can just put it in a regular book. You can use shapes. There are you. I don't know how many people have seen some visual artists. One um, young woman, she. The hair is poetry. When you look up, each strand of hair is a line of poetry. She's also a poet and a visual artist, so she puts her poetry right into her artwork. There are just different ways that you can, other things you can do with your poetry. Almost a a standard line of business for spoken word artists is hosting. You speak, you like to orate, so you host events. You um, audio book recording. That's a wide open field is to record audio audio books. It's been wide open to other communities for a long time, but we really need to start taking advantage of opportunities to do audio books. And then there are books that are the copyright is ran out on that you can get the copyright to do the audio book. One person I work with, Anthony Stewart, he is uh, he called, considers himself a polymath. But Anthony did the audio book for Miseducation of the Negro. He did mm-hmm. the audio books for um, Stolen Legacy. So these are, um, they have became, they came into, once it come out of co- um, common, when it came out of copyright, so they're just in common domain, public domain, and he was able to secure the rights to do the audio books for those, for those um, works. So there's a lot of opportunity there. Then um, event producing. Many, many people produce events. So whether it's an open mic, um, whether it's, you know, a closed mic where you have featured performers or whatnot, festivals, expos, workshops, radio, video, web series, TV, cable, Specialized shows like Punani poets—they do specialty shows. Um, and determining what you do, you just—you know—you want to look at your strengths, and then um, the need and desire for what you do. You know, is there a market for it? Is this just something I like a whole bunch, or is there actually a market for it? Who—who who wants it? Again, and you need to, even you as a poet, you have to figure out who that is. And those of you that do your events, host events, you're going around to these various open mics, what are you doing to capture those audiences while you're there? 
Are you just you get on stage, you spit, and do you leave? Are you collecting names? Are you asking them to sign your email list? Nowadays with the phones, you can tell people go right on. Hey, hit me up right now. Everybody, hit me up. You can stop. To everybody who's on Instagram, everybody right now on Instagram, go here, follow me. You need to capture people's information so that you can reach back out to them. That is the core. You have an audience. And part of defining your business and your business value is who are you reaching out to, who who wants, who's loyal to you, who listens to what you say, who buys your product, who are they? And so can you reach back out to them? Do you know who they are? Can you define them? Can you give demographics for them? That says where they are, what their ages are, what their ethnicity is, male-female ratio, what's the educational background, income. Those are general things called demographics. Can you define that? And then in the audience and people are listening to, there are things called psychographics. These are the things, what does your audience like to do? Where would you find them? Where would they hang out? Where would they hang out offline? Where would they hang out online? What are the things that they are most likely to do? What are the things that they're most likely to own? What kind of cars would they own? What kind of, just any different type of questions you can think about. You have to start defining your audience. This all adds to your business value because a business Without, you know, customers or audience, it's not really a business. But as spoken word artists, you're really in a unique position, especially those that have consistent events. You've been doing events for a while. You have the attention and the respect and the loyalty of those people. If you say something, they will listen. That is very valuable when you're coming to the table. But if you can't define who they are, you can't quantify it, understand in business, data sells. It's always about data. If you start looking up marketing, you'll see big data this, big data that. It's about data. Data sells. So being able to define and articulate your value is, um, as far as a business representation, that's really important. So that's important in sponsorship. If a label is looking at you, they want to know, do you have an image? Is your brand together? Is it clearly defined? Is it clearly articulated? They're not looking these days to, you know, create a brand or image and offer anyone. They're looking for people to come to the table with a defined audience, with a following, with a defined brand and image. Uh, one of the easiest things to get a lot of times are distribution deals. But with a distribution deal, again, they want to know who's your audience and do you have a budget to market. So um, these are just some standard things that you need to look at. You need to start looking at yourself as a business and how do I define my business. And the opportunities, like um, Francois was saying, with organizations and all, which is definite, um, but also it's not just organizations, it's not just nonprofits, e- even for-profit. Anyone with 
your ability to articulate your audience makes it very, you know, makes it easier to get sponsorship. So it doesn't just have to be a nonprofit entity. You just have to be able to articulate who hears your message. Or, you know, there are different reasons. Like when you, Francois, you do for the city, the city wants to, um, of course they want her because her topic helps sell their, helps sell their product. But now you do an event, um, Peace, Love, and Poetry, well, maybe some all-natural products, some wellness products, or different like that. Hey, we want to sponsor because holistic, when you talk about the holistic movement and vibe and people that are into, that like all-natural and like these type of things, they also love a piece of poetry thing. They're into yes. the arts. They're, you know, these, so my target audience is very likely to be at her event. So now it's up to her to articulate that and let them know, you know, I have your target audience. You know, and you know, I have it. I have the outreach. I consistently, I have an email list which she does, so I ha- I can reach out to them. Have the opportunity, you know, I can provide you access to my audience. And then what opportunities lies for product placement? your event, how you create it. There's so many different opportunities, and I see sponsorship packages, but a lot of people are missing the boat on a lot of things, and the sponsorship they get a lot of times is a lot less than what they could get if they could articulate better. And a lot of times it's, they just go after the liquor sponsors because if you got a bar, a liquor sponsor will sponsor you or they'll you know cover your cost of printing and all because they're going to lowball you. Because you you really haven't articulated and defined. They know it's there. They know what it is. But um, a lot of times they lowball you and give you the minimum. So um, those are just some things I wanted to share. Um, Nigel, do you have anything? Oh, yeah. Um, As far as dealing with artists, um, one of the things that I've noticed doing consistent um, shows and showcasing is the difficulty in keeping the audience's attention in you know, a focus without without having amenities. So you know when you're talking about certain support and things of that nature, that is definitely um, a plus. Um, a lot of the information that you have is actually you know is, is real good, and um, definitely want to know more about you know defining as an artist. Like is there like um, clear-cut types of poetry, you know, or you know, what is what would a versatile poet be in in dealing with the business aspect of it? You know, because when you, you're trying to brand, you know, some some there are a few poets like myself that we kind of borderline this and borderline that, depending on the um, the audience. Because I'm one of those that I write Wait. to the audience. Well. well I like to input. First of all, it's nothing wrong with customizing something for an event or a theme, but I wouldn't necessarily say right, wouldn't suggest right for audience Um, because what happens is you won't be able to clearly define um, and, and separate yourself from the pack, so to speak. What ha- For people like me who produce my own shows, I don't have time to 
uh, weed through a whole bunch of polls to see what they're um, what they're talking about. And if you know, and if I find you're all over the place, I I look for poets who have a mission and words and a message that is similar to what in alignment, not similar, but more in alignment to what my brand is. So it's the same thing as if any other organization. So, for instance, if you take about three or four subject matters that you are very passionate about, that that is what causes you to write anyway. That's what create, made you a poet because it you felt the need to be the voice in that arena about that particular subject. Those are the things I will focus on. And then it also helps your audience be clear about who you are and gives them some insight about who you are. And therefore, it, it, it kind of take, it stops taking away like, the confusion. And I'm going to tell you the, good, the blessing about an audience is they want to know who you are. They want to know what you're passionate about. They don't want you just talking at them or what you think they want to hear. They really, at the core of it, want to know who you are as a poet. What is it that you are passionate about? There's a sister I've been following on Instagram. She's passionate about um, dispelling the myths of being a heavyset pretty girl. And that's one of her main topics. And so, therefore, if I'm doing something on, if I know an organization that wants to do something on self-esteem for young girls, I'm going to call her. because I don't have to look. I don't have to figure it out because I know that she can write specifically for that audience because it's already something that she does. For instance, Lamar, Lamar Hill. Mm-hmm. I know he loves to write about um, the plight of a black man and black men, fatherless black men. I know that because... I have seen more than once his work in that arena. So, therefore, if there's a, a, um, a conference where the conference organizer is looking for a poet specifically to discuss, um, to talk to black young boys or black fathers or something like that, I know I can call on Lamar Hill. And the last example would be um, every year my family, we have our own nonprofit. It's about mothers who have lost children to gun violence. I know there are certain poets who have a passion about that and it's between domestic violence and gun violence, and I know I can call on those poets to perform because they're passionate about it and they already have work around it or will create work very specific for my event. So you start separating yourself from the pack when you start letting your audience know and your fans know what you're passionate about through your work. Yes, I, um, I'm i with her wholeheartedly. The the what you always want to do is clearly define your brand. People should be able to say, just like Francoise, she named all of those people, not uh, because they told her. They didn't tell her, Francoise, I'm about this, I'm about that. She heard them. She saw them. She sees them online. She was able to clearly understand what their brand was about because that's how it's articulated. So it's you can be on multiple subjects, but what you just shouldn't do, you know, say if I was a poet, I probably, I would be because I'm all I'm I'm always all over the place. My mind is going a mile a minute, so I could probably talk about a million different things. But and if that's you, that's okay, because you can be known as you know they'll touch on anything, but don't. 
wait for the audience. You're there to give them an experience. Don't think because it's all they want. Because I see poets do it all the time. You, you know, y'all, they just want some. They just going to ooh and ah over some love poetry. And um, you see preachers do it. Like if not, sometimes they be in the pulpit, if enough people ain't saying hallelujah, this and that, you know, they, they taunt you about saying that. It's like, come on, I'm trying to listen to you. Everybody doesn't necessarily respond the same way. So if now, and this now this is going to take you into a spiritual place, but, you know, if we are a spiritual beings. So if you're connected, we all have a purpose and mission in life. And, you know, and as a poet, you're a messenger. So you have a message to 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 get out there. When you're clear on that and clear on your purpose, you deliver the message. And don't, you know, worry. I'm not saying don't worry about the audience because you want to make sure people are not falling asleep and stuff like that. But I'm not saying don't worry about the audience because you do want to, you know, feed off of them. But sometimes you can't always clearly see what's going on. And sometimes you have to deliver. Yeah, you have to at least take the time to get it out there to allow the audience to respond. If you're just waiting on them or thinking because they ooh and odd over someone else that this is all they want. Um, and especially a lot of times the cases with spoken word, depending on where you are, it's different when you're in a standard spoken word venue and it's a bunch of artists and all already in the place. But when you go out to other venues, People may not have experienced other types of spoken word. I still see, still what I envision for spoken word, I have yet to see people even speak of. So a lot of people don't even envision, including spoken word artists, all the possibilities. But a lot of the audience, you know, they think of spoken word as one way. So sometimes you ever went where people think that they're supposed to snap because they saw it on Love Jones? And then there are places where, you know, we don't snap. You know, that's bougie. Then there are people that think, hey, I'm cool if I snap. They really don't know. So you there, you get to articulate and define it. So that's just, but it is really important that your brand is clear. People should be able to say, like if um, Francois books poets all the time. So she should know what why... If, you know, she had colleges, different places, all different kind of situations come up, she should be able to know why she should call on you and what you can do. So then when um, a booking opportunity comes through, she, you know, she she could book you. Absolutely. That, and that's, and that, that's just, and that's not just advice that's to answer your question, but it's this advice to pause. Let me share this and I'm so grateful for this platform that Jacqueline has created this platform for us to talk about this monthly because there are some people working we've had them in the show on the shows oftentimes who recognize that we have to create the industry poets. I went to um a workshop this weekend and everybody should check it out. It's called Artist You. Um and uh, the gentleman's name is Andrew something. I'll look it up in a moment. But it wasn't anything I didn't know, but I thought it was awesome for those of us who are so creative and artistic that sometimes we get stuck on one side of the um, paradigm or the other. We are so creative that all we want to do is create. 
but it doesn't. And then we have all this product, whether it be a book, a visual art, a, you know, mm-hmm. jewelry, whatever you do. We have all this work over here, but nobody knows who we are. Nobody, nobody knows our work. Nobody's seen our work. Nobody's buying our work because we just do the work. That's by Andrew Simon. Um, for those who are looking looking it up, it's called Making a Life as an Artist. He offers this um, in the Philadelphia and Baltimore areas, free of charge. It's a one-day intensive. And okay. some of the things that um, I already knew, but it just felt really good because, to hear it from someone else, that we have all this creative work and we work as artists, and then we don't, we don't know, we don't let people know who we are and what we're doing. And I know a lot of artists think, well, I hire an agent for that, I hire a manager. But nobody, before you can hire anybody, you got to be clear about what your needs and wants are. And yeah. why give somebody 10, 15, 20% of any of your income if you don't even know what you're doing? And let them <laughs> define it for you. So define it yourself first. Define what your model looks like. What, do you, what does it look like? Are you one who... Um, like me, I don't like to work in January. It's just too cold. It's too wet. It's too rainy. It's too snowy. It's too cold. So I've defined, I've defined it that I will not go out and gig in January. But what I will do is since I like to stay home and hibernate, I'll create product. I'll write poetry. I'll plan out the rest of my year. I'll decide how many personal performances I want versus how many productions I want that year, things of that nature. Or sometimes I'm going to sit and give myself that quiet time just to create. I'm going to play the saxophone. I'm going to listen to music. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to get in that creative space and dedicate some time to that. So this workshop was good in that some of us, sometimes I get so caught up in the business of being an artist that I don't Mm -hmm. take the time out to sit and create new art, new poetry, new songs, new, uh, you know, because I'm so busy working, (laughs) working Mm -hmm. the business of it getting gigs, writing grants, reaching out to people, working on productions um, and things of that, planning all that production stuff, you know, but then I forget and I don't take the time out to be an artist, to take the time out to create that creative, quiet space for myself. Whatever, I like to walk. Walking meditation works for me. That's when I get the best work. I have to make time for that. Doing yoga helps me relax and helps me to get into that creative space and tap into the vortex. So whatever it is, you have to make sure that you do both. And that's what I'm going to share with everyone. To be a sustainable artist, you have to give your time, yourself time and space for both sides of the matrix. And most importantly, you got to... Anytime you set the bar, that's better for the artist coming behind you. So if you go and do a a gig for the mayor of Wilmington for free, then guess what? That's going to set the bar behind you. But if I go and I set the bar that for 15 minutes it's $300, then that means they're going to expect the person coming behind me to charge at least $300. We have to create the industry to have the same respect as any other artist, and we can we have to value our time and our creative space as any other industry, as any other um uh anybody else, whether it be a songwriter, a dancer or whatever. Um mm-hmm. we have to create that. And I do see a shift happening. It's slow, but it's sure. It's great to have breeding grounds such as open mics and things like that for $5 and for free. 
fabulous. We need that for our creative breeding ground. But when you start moving into other arenas and other um, organizations and industries, who, and especially in the for-profit world, who have the money, then be ready to charge them. And most of the time, I have noticed that they will ask me what my price is because they expect me to undervalue myself. And they are pleasantly surprised when I don't. Mm-hmm. That means um, French Ron is saying a whole lot of things. First of all, you have to define who you are, know what you want, even to get um, a manager or an agent. Because to be honest, um, I, I managed a couple artists, but I just did it for the love of them because one, you know, a couple labels were interested, and nobody, but they, you know, some places won't talk directly to an artist. So, you know, I was that go between. And the other thing was I really wanted to build something, and they needed the help and assistance. But it wasn't because, because you know, 10% or 20% of hardly nothing, really? Mm-hmm. I really wanted to build more. So the management I even do with Taylor Adams Marketing and Management is more of, you know, an overall group thing, no individual management. It's just that I want to always create avenues and venues. And and I think artists are very important. I think artists are great in in the marketing. Artists really help mm-hmm. market and sell things because that's they can have the audience. There's so much power that you actually have, and the issue is how do you articulate that? But um, the, and the other thing is, why would someone want to take you on if you can't define it? And, and and the manager may help you because especially a manager is more like your marketing person. They're help you, helping you to define it. But as a marketing person, you are you assist people. My job as a marketer is to help figure out who you are, what your voice is, and help you articulate it. It's not for me to create it for you. And when you get to the place that somebody wants to create something for you, I think you would, and it's not based off of you. It's different. I help you build your brand. You know, I say, I think this would be great for you because you like this. This is what you talk about. You know, you're kind of quirky, so your look, you know, should align with that. And the imagery we use around that, it all it all sells best when it's able to permeate who you are. So never be afraid of who you are. Speak it boldly, just define it, and people will follow. And the other thing about it is people purposely ask, how much do you charge? I get that question a lot of times. People, like, in a sense, when people ask me how much you're going to charge, I say, first of all, we have to be clear on what you need done. And, um, you know, what do you want to do? But people purposely ask that just to see where you are as a professional. So, mm-hmm. and not that you have to charge a whole lot or, I mean, if you're not comfortable, but just whatever, know what your rates are. You yeah, know what your rates are and be clear. Mm-hmm. I still do some free gigs, but it has to be in alignment with my mission. Mm-hmm. Two things to qualify for a free gig. A, I have to tie a certain amount of my belief system is that I must tie a certain amount of my talents or gifts or money anyway. 
Okay, mm-hmm. that's part of my value system. The beauty of being a CEO is that you can create your value system, and your business can reflect your own personal value system. Mm-hmm. So one of my values is, or one of my values is that I prefer, um, I have a, I prefer to tie a certain amount of my time, money or energy or gift every year. That's it. Mm-hmm. So I keep track of those. How many I give free. What makes what qualifies for the free? For me, for me, again, great thing about being an artist, we get to create our lives. As most people don't realize, you everybody gets to create our lives, but we even do it even more so. It's what, two things. If it's in alignment with one of my, um, one of the values or mission, part of my mission, meaning to minister and to assist um, at-risk teenage females. That's my personal mission statement that I import into my business, and therefore, if it meets that qualification, and or if it puts me in front of a group of people I would not normally get in front of, have the opportunity to perform for. For instance, they don't come to my shows. They're not a part of my immediate network. They, you know, they're people outside of my demographic typically. Then I will do it. But I set those standards for myself. And therefore, I'm very clear about my price points when I, and I have clear price points when I'm performing um, in a, a huge event that has multiple artists performing versus if I'm the feature at a corporate event. So I have pricing systems set up for all very, various type of situations. And I've figured that out by t- determining what is a sustainable income for me for the year. Mm-hmm. What does that look like for me? And then I divide that by the number of weeks in a year, blah, 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 and break it down so I get per hour. And therefore, I know how many hours I got, what I charge per hour, how many hours I got to work per month and per week to make, to be sustainable to pay my mortgage. And also, too, you need to understand what is the cost to do business. There's That's a cost right. to do business. There's like, I have um, this church calling me up. They want to help me. And they got a real great cause. They got a beautiful ranch, urban farming, and then they deal with um, human trafficking. I mean, causes that people will really give to, and they're trying to raise funds. But they just want me, the person reached out to me over the Internet in Ohio, and they just wants me to do the work based off commission, based off how much I raise. And I'm like, first, I'm not a fundraiser. Never said I was. Now, mm-hmm. and, and when you ask me straight up, I told you I'm not a fundraiser, but I can help you raise money. But I won't work for commission, first of all, because I know I don't have funders in my pocket. I don't have investment bankers. I don't have these immediate people in my pocket that I can immediately go to, which I know that I could sell. And then there are things that they need to build that I would have to put together to even get there. It's not like they have all the tools ready. So I told them the co- there's a cost that I have to incur just to do do what you want me to do. I can't mm-hmm. do that without some upfront money and a deposit. So right. you have to understand what is the cost for me to do business. You know, as a spoken word, like I said, you should be producing. You should be producing. You should be producing. So you should be producing something if it's an event. And and if you're a spoken word artist, beyond your event, you create poetry and words somewhere that should be produced, whether it's on, in a book, audio recording. I think you should, to, should do that on top of video. Video is on top of. Video should not be your only method. 
Because understand, when we're not here, it's the art that lives on. Video has to be able, have to have the ability to project. Audio things can be picked up. Written things can be picked up even in an environment that may not be able to project video. And um, and I'm passionate about that because we don't think of legacy as far as our community. And mm-hmm. the spoken word artist, you are our griots. And a griot is the storyteller and the keeper of the culture. And a griot in West Africa, um, they are partnered with a jihadi, and that's a warrior king. So the warrior and the griot are partnered together. That's mm-hmm. how important it is. So, like I said, you know, there's a role that you actually have to play. So it's great to go out here and do these things, but if it shouldn't be if I'm not sitting in front of you. That's the only way I can experience your work. Sure. Um, if something, you know, God forbid, happened or we all, we're not, none of us want to be here forever. So does it all get lost? All of those mm-hmm. beautiful words, all of those lessons, you know, and like I said, you're a messenger, you're a conduit. So, you know, we really need to be prudent upon that since we have these tools. But it is just um, important to know, just be clear about who you are. And as we say this, that means you have, don't feel like, oh, my God, i got to do all of this stuff. These things don't have to happen tomorrow or today. If you are in earshot of this, you're listening to it, it's purpose for you. This is a message that you needed to hear. So would you now you have um, a guideline and a focus. You know, start looking up a business plan, business plans for artists. Find If you can find spoken word artists that have business plans or even a standard business plan. Palo Alto has some great software. You know, sit down and work with someone. It doesn't have to be fancy. Honestly, the business plans of today don't have to be those three and five years. You do want to look long term. But you want to have a working business plan of every 90 days, every quarter. You know, you're going to look at overall what you want to do. But every quarter you want to, you know, update it, it, you know, revise it, you know, what's working well, what's not, so that you're not doing something that's not working so good for an entire year. And then you go back and look, oh, or, or this worked real well. I should have put more time there. So every quarter, you know, Look at your plan, but you need a plan, and that's in anything. You plan your work, you work your plan. Write the vision down so that people may run with it. And when you do, certain questions you'll be easily able to answer, certain questions you'll realize you have to come up with. You know, start looking at, am I just doing the same thing because that's what I see everybody else do? So-and-so open up open mic, so I'm going to run and open up an open mic. But get honest. What's the cost for you to do that? What's the energy does it take? And in the end, are you really proliferating your work? Are you becoming known? Are you make, making a profit or are you just in the hole? You know, so, you know, have a re. That's why your purpose and your mission is so important. Because when you move from that purpose and mission, it shapes everything else that you do. So even if you're not necessarily profitable at first, if it's driven from purpose, not because this is what you see everyone else do. Um, 
So th- that's the main thing. But people do, they will test you. So they want to see your level of professionalism. So when they act, they will ask you a price. Or, and a lot of people see how much they can get over on you with. So you just need to be clear. And the other thing about doing free gigs, nothing's wrong with it. Um, like she said, doing open mics, or, it's a good grind. Um, and it's a good, I think, even for experienced artists to go back because the audience changes. People change to know what, you know, what's new, what's coming up, who's out there at the open mics. These are the people that are hungry. But now what you do, I suggest, as an artist, as a business person, if you're going to do something for free, cool. Make sure you're getting some promotion out of it. If somebody has an event and they are not promoting it, you're not hearing about it, you're performing there for free, your name is not on a flyer or anything, you know, unless it's your friend or a great worthy cause that you're raising money for, what are you getting out of it? So that has to be your demand. And even if it's for a church, churches have booklets, they have, you may have to help them define it. Well, rather than just putting an ad in your booklet that no one looks at, um, do you have a place, uh, you know, an area where maybe I could put down some of my information in church where people pick up things in the church? Um, is it possible that um, you can make sure that my name is on a flyer that you're giving out? And when it's announced, they have, vi- you know, they got video ministries, you know, um, a lot of the radio. They have a lot of different things. You have to be clear. If I come do this for you for free, Make sure that you're getting promotion so that when you come there, people aren't surprised to see you. They're expecting you because it makes it easier than afterwards for you to reach out to those people. I have a question. Yes. Um, the question I have is, is going back to when, when um, you spoke of creating an industry spoken word artist. With creating an industry spoken word artist, that wouldn't have required um a standardized like at least a standard like like you like like um Ms. how do you say your name? Sweet. Sweet just call me sweet, sweet. for short. Okay. <laughs> All right. So so when you when you came up with your, your um your your breakdown of how you're gonna uh, charge in order to create a um uh, um, industry standard spoken word artists wouldn't there be you know like a, a network of people that's following sort of kind of following that same guideline to maybe not to the to the letter but you know around that same guideline like how ASCAP and BMI and all those other um, unions how they you know basically keep people you know get the respect that way or is there another another way that you have in mind? Well. Well, we, I would love, it, w- it would excite me if some of us, you know, came together and cre- created sort of like um, a unionized so we can set some standards. But because we are so, in the poetry business, we are so at the um, ground floor with creating this as an industry, so that that can be looked at as a negative, but I see it as a positive in that... Mm-hmm we can all create it based on where we are in our business and where we live. 
and we can have dialogue like this to talk about what those some of those minimally those standards would look like. Um, there are I do know a lot of people that charge money. Um, one of the things I found with the spoken word industry, and I found it when I moved in. Um, there, there's an elite, elitism going on, and then I think there's also an, a fear. It's not as prevalent now as I could say it was five, six years ago. But um, I think the fear is that it's, it's a thought of scarcity. I mean, because there's mm-hmm. only a couple of real popular spoken word artists, right? So they yeah, think but that's from an the scarcity. Well, think I mean, about it now. Mm-hmm. That's in any industry, sis, because when you think of it, if if the, we begin to think of it like the NFL, there's only a few, believe it or not, based on good players and people who are making a living through football that are going to actually play in the NFL. There's only a few people who are going to make elite celebrity status in the singing in in the in the entertainment industry. They yeah, but the are, the number is like just still with way more professional, you know, what's considered you know well paid professional football players, well well way more singers. Even though I mean, amount to the number of people that sing, uh, yes, yeah, a small percentage that actually make it to there, but it's just a lot more. So I think this thought of scarcity, which I mean, it is everyone can't be super, but you get there's a lot of professional singers. Superstar is one thing. But there's a lot of professional singers. But I mean, I've just seen it because I've seen people block people. I've seen them not share information, and um, they're not open to sharing. There are spoken word artists that have opened up for Kirk Franklin. They write greeting cards. There's so many different people. There are people I know that perform all over the world. Um, there are labels. Um, there's one woman, um, and she works to get out her message as much as she can. She gets so angry because they really get angry when people do undersell themselves because that, you know, cuts them. But there are a lot of um, spoken word professionals that, you know, charge a certain amount. Um, a lot of people, most of the people, when I go to book them, they charge a certain a certain fee. Now, you yeah, know, they'll negotiate, you know, mm-hmm. Yes, and I agree with it, but what I'm saying to you is, first of all, we as poets, we are, poets are, are usually, mostly, some of the most divine, know how to tap into that divine spirit very easily and quickly, more quickly sometimes than most. So we can, we should not, there should not be an overall belief system of scarcity in the poetry realm. That just yes. that shouldn't even exist. It's not even in alignment with our spirit. It doesn't even make sense. It's a it's an oxymoron. Um mm-hmm. that's the first thing. The second thing is to answer the question back to industry. We're at the grassroots of this. There's gonna come a point and even though people say it was only a few, but there are so many platforms that are happening even on a larger scale. The T V one, um, verses and flow and all these shows mm-hmm. that are coming up now to highlight spoken word, those things are gonna to contribute to people the general public respecting and honoring spoken word as um an industry. So the standards are being set there. However, it, if the general public is that's their only their only experience with poetry is through deaf poetry jam um or verses or flow, it is up to us on a day to day basis in our daily work 
to educate the, our consumers. That's how you begin to build an industry. You use it as an opportunity to educate your consumer, those who will be purchasing your product and service. The only way you can do that, again, is back to what we talked to in the begin about in the beginning. The only way to do that is to be very clear about your mission and your pricing. Generally speaking, if you got those two th- two things down, you can figure out the rest as you go along. But if you got those two things down to a science, you can begin to use it as an opportunity to educate your consumer and your pros- prospective consumers, those who will be purchasing your um product because that is how we begin to create an industry um, and get it respected as a viable and sustainable entertainment industry, um, an artistic outlet. And the other thing I want to add to that, as far as the industry's spoken word, it is part of the entertainment industry. And there are some Mm -hmm. standards there. If you're doing Mm -hmm. recorded work, you should not be selling a CD under $10. Nothing, you know, because recorded, wrapped, and retail, there's no place. Most CDs really start at 13. Okay, um, let's talk there. Let's stop there for a second, sis. Mm-hmm. If you said some key words, I don't want the, the, anybody to miss. If you're doing a recorded CD and it's wrapped and it's packaged properly and it's packages, are pro- yes, you should be charging 10 or above. But if you bring me an unmastered, yes. <laughs> unmastered product, that's stuck in the sleeve, I'm not paying $10. So I'm giving you $3 to 5 because I already know because packaging is part of your price point. So if you yeah. haven't invested in your packaging, I'm not giving you that price point at 10 to $13. Again, you got to know what you're dealing with. And if you're just doing it as a promo, promo CD, you can say it's such a I'm doing this as a promo seat. I'm only charging $5. But don't bring me something that's unmastered where I can hear your homies in the background and all this background noise. It's unmastered. It's in a sleeve. And then you want to charge me $10 because you think you're that good. No. Also, my next thing to go to that is setting industry standards. Don't put that out. You know, don't put that out. There are ways that you can get recorded work for less. But you, again, is setting your brand because that goes to part of your brand. You can be whatever performed, but then you bring me a CD and I take it home. And this is why the perception of poets is less than. A lot of that goes with recorded work because we don't take the time to do quality recording work, recorded work. I get things from spoken word artists, hip-hop artists, and all. Um. You know, people, their work is not even good, but they take the time as packaged and everything and will make me open it up as opposed to the other way because you're presenting yourself. And I know people want to really hurry up and get something out there, but if you get a light scribe, you can get a light scribe um, HP um, computer um, and it burns CDs. Now, it may not look the same, but at least does a laser image on your CD. And if you, you know, you get your work, you can put it on there. At least um, you you can buy your packaging. At least if you go out there, it's at least a much more polished presentation. It doesn't, I didn't write on it. I don't, you know, you can take the time to label the songs that are on there. And... These are things that are um, really important to do. So, what you um, so do your best not to even put that out there. 
but for people that have produced a CD and you got your packaging and everything, she's, you know, you really shouldn't be selling it for under $10. And it, it can definitely go higher. Performance. Um, there are a lot of people I know that will not perform for under $150. That's the minimum they will take. Now, generally, a lot of times performance rates for an event, if you're the solo one, for organizations, I would say between 150 and 300 per, per performance, anywhere between there. Now, you may go, depending on how well, these people are more well-known, but if you're not as well-known, you may go lower. Um, or if you say if you're in the city or something, open mics and different things, you and somebody wants you to come by because you're in the city doing something else, it, um, if you don't ask for minimal fee but you have some CDs, say, well, either I need to make a certain amount of sales or tell them to buy so many CDs to cover your cost, you know, of going out there, and that's because you've also gotten someone else. Okay. And um, so you want to um, make sure that um, you do that. So as far as I would really say performance industry rates and well-known people, I know they won't do anything under 150. And people that are being booked all the time, they won't do under 150. But for those that... Um, and I know the going rate that they book was between 150 and 300. If you're not as well known, you may want to start at 75. You know, like you may go to 75 to 200. You know, depending on who's booking you, if it's a school, if it's a corporate, you know, if it's these different things. So um, you definitely want to look at that. Now, real quick. Um, I wanted to do, um, I'm going to real quick play Laurels by Talami C, and then we're going to come right back. Ain't no time for resting on my laurels when every day is an oral exam. And for the next man, I'm a walking target. He want to drive me out of business and take over my market. He's sick of envisioning himself as me on poetry's red carpet. Sick of putting out bullshit CDs that barely seem to turn a profit. And it's awkward because this ain't hip-hop, so neither one of us got to be the hardest. And it's not that I'm the luckiest, it's simply that I know where my God is. Do the knowledge. We ain't got to talk about summers. I am the only spoken word artist doing the independent rapper numbers. Who else order CDs thousands at a time? Whatever the catch is happy to hit the road with 99. I am not peace on earth, but I am peace of mind. Spoken word is a small world and a large percentage of it is mine. It doesn't matter who you are. If you own a decent system, my CDs make you want to pay off your car. I am not a star. I'm a businessman. I provide a service. I make my people feel like a million dollars within a system that makes them feel worthless. Like I snatch them out of the matrix. Like I tell them, go get yourself a glass of water and take this. Like I tell them most of what y'all listening to is fake shit. Like I tell them the marketing studio time and their time is paid for by racists. And I know they hate it when I make them face it. But um, God gave us spoken word in order to give us the tools to get ahead. And our oppressor gave us that other shit in order to give us the tools to get dead. And they um, need it that way. And we um, need it that way. And we um, stand in line for the tools for our own demise. And we even seem happy to pay. That was Salame C. Laurels from his CD, Underground Heavy. Um, sweet, I was sharing with um, Niger that um, 
I know a lot of times the going rate, a lot of, you know, well-known artists, I know they won't do anything for under $150. So I know if there's an opportunity, I won't come to them if, you know, people are not paying at least that much. And I know a lot of time a range is like between 150 to $300 is, you know, a standard range for not necessarily a big show, but for speaking or for a school or for different type of engagements, the fee is generally between 150 and $300. Mhm. I can understand that, but how about if it's only a, like I do sometimes I get, I get asked to do one poem, three to five minutes. Is it reasonable to charge some $150 for that if they're 15 minutes away from my house? So, you know, people got should consider all of those things when they're developing their pricing model. It, well, these are just, um, these are more, these just people, they just like, you know, whatever, they they start at 150 That's their, you know, rate. But um, now to that, now I do know people who will go under and do less if they booked, like, I'm putting together the tour that, you know, I'm working even with you that on that Francois for the author. We look to book one standard pay gig in a city. And then while we're in that city, look for other opportunities that don't necessarily have to be paid. So sometimes when you see, like, well-known people come out to the open mics and all, Chances are, at least I know one one guy is very much like that. He's booked a school. He's booked an organization. He has booked a standard pay gig while he's there. Right. That makes sense. That's mm-hmm. absolutely right. That makes sense. And that way, again, you know, I think that instead of people starting off and say, I don't walk out the door unless it's $150. Okay, cool. If that's your standard, no, you're going to say no to some People are going to say no to you, and that's great. Because if you're not getting some no's, that means you're underpriced anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the first gauge. Uh, but also, again, if I know, if I'm going on tour and I know if for that week I need to make X amount of dollars, then based on what those events are, you and you also got to know the, or, the type of organization that you're performing for. Colleges pay more, but guess what? It's net thirty. You're not getting paid that day. Yes, that's true. <laughs> you and know, schools. Oh my god. Right. Schools and those have. You're not getting. So you might put a couple of those in your tour, but you got to might have to have some cash gigs in your tour. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so that you could be sustain yourself for the week, or you might have to have someone a couple of those gigs pay f- for just your hotel and lodging, so that you know that's covered for the week, and you're yes. making your money other places. You know, again, the good thing about a pricing model is that you create it based on your needs and based on your market. Okay? But, what you, but the main thing when call like industry standards, and nothing is in bloodstone, right. you don't want to, like, uh, and like I said, these are more well-known people. That, right, but they're so, more well-known. For those yeah. who start now, mm-hmm. the average, okay, let me be clear. Mm-hmm. If you start now, nobody knows who you are in your city. You're doing open mics for $5. You're doing them for free. Once you establish yourself in that area, then you should at least charge 25 to $50 just to step on the stage, even if you're only going to do one poem, mm-hmm. um, period. After that, then, you know, you have to be sought after right now. The industry standard, you have to be sought after to get to get 150 for, for three to three to 15-minute gig. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Mm-hmm. I play musicians. For instance, the industry standard 
in this area, if you're not a nationally known musician, is $150 per man mm-hmm. per gig. So I know that that's the standard. So if somebody comes at me for 100 I think I got a deal. Somebody that comes at me for 200 I'm looking at them like, oh, I better get above and beyond what I'm accustomed to. So same thing. Um, it just so happens in my area that I am one of the most sought-after performers, poet performers in my area. So most people don't call me unless they have $300. Okay, those who don't who call me don't have three hundred dollars don't really know me, and that's when I start to gauge. Okay, what are they what are they offering? How do I do? I want to go. How many people? And that's why I send a booking form. I need to know how many people. I need to know if you're charging for this event. I need to know what you tick. You know, are there other performers, other poets on on you know on the stage? I need to know all that so I can determine my price point because I might have to adjust some areas. Are you, do you want me to just um, do poetry? Do you want me to speak and do poetry? Do you want me to? Um, do one poem or am I filling 30 minutes somewhere, some kind of way? Am I filling a whole 30 minutes as part of your event? And most of the time, most people don't tell me, but they want me to kind of do some hosting as well. So then I have to make sure I'm asking the right questions because mm-hmm. there's been plenty of times because I, they know that I host, I go to do a poem and I end up introducing the, get the featured artist or the featured speaker or whatever. And that wasn't part of the contract. So I've learned to ask those questions and make sure that doesn't happen again. And also in that, ask questions, and this is a, I even do it as a vendor. Find out if, one, ask them if the event being sponsored. Mm -hmm. How often have they done this event? Because what happens is somebody has this grand idea, and, you know, they're going to do all of this, and they're thinking all these people going to come to the door, and they're looking at paying and doing everything based on the door. Mm-hmm. The problem is what happens if the door doesn't make it. It's not my problem. First of all, it's not your problem. problem if you have a contract mm-hmm. or an agreement in writing, it's not your problem. Yeah. <laughs> Don't make it become your problem. Don't ever sign a contract where it's based on how many people come. come. Yeah. You don't want to do that, but also, too, if it's unknown, it's different when you know things, but if it's an unknown fact, a totally new person, get a little background and make sure you're not going out your way because you can have all a piece of paper, but then they don't have it to pay you. Now you spend a waste of time trying to get your money from somebody, you know, that owes you. Mm, that's what I also do. Mm-hmm. Also, if you can do the, get a, a deposit up front. That's right. I was going to yeah. say, I always... Get the deposit. Yeah. That's my cost. Yeah. That covers my cost, maybe my travel, maybe me, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a performer. So check this out. If I get my eyelashes done and my hair done because I got to look a certain way. Yeah. If it's a formal affair, I got to buy another outfit. I keep cool. all of that in mind. Yeah. People that do sales and all, when people right. do sales, when you're talking about your taxes, that's cost. And it's definitely cost of a performance, definitely cost of a business person. When your your look is important, that's right. Your, your and, presentation. So. And so when I know those things, lots of times in my price, that's my fifty percent, my cost of doing business, mm-hmm. my fifty percent typically covers the majority of my cost. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I get that in advance. So if I get there, it hasn't happened to me. But if I get there and they don't have my money, I ain't at no loss. I didn't depend on that to get home that night. I didn't depend on that money to pay a bill that night. 
the 50% up front. So the other 50% the night of the show, that's my profit. profit yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you definitely want to be smart, you know, to ask these questions because sometimes we meet with people, and we know we've been to a lot of these different events, whether you performed at them. You know, these are a lot of times are local events, but you went and th- went out there thinking it was going to be something that's like, oh, my, <laughs> this mm-hmm. is not nothing like what they said or um and I know a lot of people try to bank on a door. Like, I, yeah. you know, for me, just in my com- level of comfort, I don't want to put on something based on a door. I don't even want to put on a tour. I won't put on a show, you know, banking on the money I get from the door. I prefer right. to do sponsorship up front. And some mm-hmm. people have budgets and different things, but it's good, if, especially if it's, if it's a new client. It's different when it's people that you know, but if it's somebody new, definitely ask for a deposit, especially if you have to travel. And sometimes even with that, if you're not super well-known, but at least if you have to travel, ask people to reimburse your travel. That's something I'm really surprised a lot of artists don't do. But you have to travel. You have to eat. You're paying them to be at their event. And you don't, unless you know it's a certain crowd and they spend a certain amount of money, and that's another reason about asking about ticket prices and all what's going on, you want to know what's the likelihood of me even being able to sell a CD. If there's a door price, people have to pay to eat. And then, like Francois said, there are five artists and you're one of, you know, six What's the likelihood that you want to get a whole bunch of CD sales? Before you even come up, these people might have spent 30 or $40. So you want to, um, you know, just be smart in how you make your decision. It's not being elitist. It's just that, is this really benefiting me? Because there are events that will benefit you. Sometimes it's just good just because of the people that are going to be there to see. Some places it's just like having your own showcase. At least you don't have to pay a fee to be there. And it's worth it. But something like that, again, if you don't come with your business cards, a sample of your work, some kind of, you know, sample CDs or something of your work and your recording, um, a little, you know, some kind of press kit, something to give, or a business card at least, at the very least, when you do network with people who can do something for you, you don't have anything to give out. So you want to, at minimum, at least have business cards and collect there so that you can do your follow-up. And, again, your business cards, having um, your little EPKs, and all of these things, these are costs to doing business. So you want to include these things in your cost to do business so that when you do your pricing, it includes that. You know, you have to market yourself. You should have in your budget in the, in the money that you feel you need to collect, like Francois thinks, how much does she need? It's not just to live. She has to be able to do business. She has to be able to advertise. She has to be able to get flyers. She has to be able to, um, you know, acquire whatever she needs. Like I said, her hair, all of these all of these things are costing doing business. So there's a cost for her to do business before she can generate profit. So that is part of your pricing model. And these are standard business practical, you know, principles and practices. And then uh, another thing she said is what was was called the break-even point. How many performances does she need to do 
to make enough money to cover all the costs and everything. That's the point at which you break even. So I know, say, if I need to do 10 to cover my costs, then my goal might be to do 20 so that, so my goal is to do 20 for the year. But I'm going to do my pricing model across 10 because, you know, I know I need these 10 to, to break even. So um, these are just the things you want to look at, consider, and establish yourself as a business. And, you know, you know this helps you define it and articulate it, and it doesn't have to all happen overnight. But now you have an outline and a model. You can come back, listen to the show little by little, seek out what you want. And like she said, begin it defining Define you. Who are you? Who are you as an artist? What's your special voice? What's important to you? What do you like to articulate? And then what is your mission and your purpose? And once you you start there, that will help you define your brand. That will help you define your your line of activity. You know what you know. What type of things do you want to do? If you're a great spoken word artist, but you also love to write then opportunities to write, don't publish books. You know, seek out good anthologies. Seek out people that are doing anthologies and promoting. And to that point, I did send out an announcement. Philadelphia, everyone in the Philadelphia area, the city is doing, um, the city of Philadelphia is called Mapping Poetry. And they're doing poetry built off of the, um, uh, yeah, it's a collection of poems from Write Your Block, so citywide poetry project, and it's kind of based off of where you live. So they're going to map the city through poetry. So for Philadelphia poets, you can submit to that. It's called Write Your Block, and uh, um, it's on Tumblr. So Write Your Block b l o c k dot Tumblr t u m b l r no e is in it t u m b l r dot com just go there and um submit to that and so um any closing words sweet i just want to say artist be an artist create the life that you want to see live your purpose through your work through your poetry through your words that you share with everyone and while you're doing it, keep in mind that you are offer, you have something of value to offer. And it is okay to have an exchange of your work for some money, so capital, so that you can live and create a sustainable business as an artist. It's okay to be an artist and know that you need and want and desire money so that you can live a life that you want, that you see fit. So stay encouraged. Um, I'm so grateful for this conversation, this dialogue. Continue to reach out to us. Um, Jacqueline and I will continue through this platform to assist you as best we can. Um, you can find me at peacelovepoetry.us or sweet, S-U-I-T-E, Franchine, altogether, sweet, Franchine, S-U-I-T-E, F-R-A-N-C-H-O-N.us. And, of course, you can find me on all the social medias, Sweet Franchine, um, and I'll be glad to assist you the best I can, but the best way that I can help you is by just um, 
doing an audition and giving you feedback on what I think I, you know, what I see for you and see if it's in alignment with what you see for yourself. So be well, be blessed. I offer you peace, love, and light until we talk next month. Thank you so much for having me, Jacqueline. All right. She has one more announcement about the celebration of the, the sweet life, celebration of the oh, sweet life. Oh, geez, girl, you're already in December <laughs> for me. Yes. Um, celebrating Sweet Life Soul Opera. The next Soul Opera event is December the 11th at World Cafe Live at the Queen in Wilmington, Delaware. It's a two-and-a-half-hour production where we use poetry, music, and song and improvisational skits to tell the stories of love and life. In this case, we're going to talk about the journey from open Poets, ah, you want to be here because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about how we started out as an open mic venue to now a full-fledged production that artists and the general public love. So you might want to be there. All right. So, and you can go to um, www.peacelovepoetry.us to find out more for tickets, correct? Yes, correct. All right. Okay. So, um... Ross, do you have any closing words? Anything to share? Oh, yeah. Um, this has definitely been food of thought. You know, my motto is to learn to teach and have the audacity to have tenacity. So that's okay. where um, I'm sitting here, you know, and I'm actually writing everything down, even though I'm going I'm to go back over this whole thing and download it so I can play it back for me. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, you know, just want to um, encourage everybody to just make sure that you – Stay connected. You know, we can only do it with a network and, you know, the respect of, in my area, which is Camden, in Camden, New Jersey, is not that, you know, we don't have a a, um, a poetic venue for, like, um, freestyle, if you will, um, of poets. It's usually the ones that are in the colleges that, that get the light and things of that nature, this, which is street poets or freestyle poets, really don't have too many different ways. So I'm going to take some of this information and back to them and, you know, actually play back some of this so they can hear this and, you know, build a network so that we can, you, you know, be more people listening in the next time. And we also want to... And create your own. If your city oh, yeah. doesn't have it, create it. Yes, create it. Matter oh, yeah. of fact, oh, yeah. while we're here, let's just speak this. We will, it's going to take us to 2015, but maybe, you know, that's something great to do during February 2015, Francois, to put something on in Camden for the street poet. I think that that, that, that is a great idea. I was thinking the same thing. So um, let's make sure I do do me this, uh, do wow. me this favor. Make sure you connect us on Facebook again so that um, I can reach out and do that because the good news is after the end of this month, I go into my planning season. So um, I don't have as many gigs at the in November, December, Jan- and January. I really is, are my planning months and my slow periods. So I would love to work on doing something for February, helping you get something kick started in Camden. Okay, Ross, because I mean he's real good at that too. He's definitely the community person and organizer, so he's really good with that. Oh yeah, I look forward to working with you. Perfect, great. And for me, I just like to tell everybody, you know, peace and love. Um, And if you need help building your plan, if you need help, um, 
if you feel you have everything defined and you need help, like say you do an event or something and you want to get sponsorship, you know, those are things I can help you with. You know, those are services that I provide. Um, if you, you know, need a consultation to see where you are, but um, a lot of the work you can, you know, do yourself because it's, um, again, understand your purpose, just define Define it. I mean, many of you already do it. You do it through your poetry. It's not, we're really not asking you to do anything different. I just need to say that because I find that most businesses, once you just look, there's a consistent message that you give out. Like, Ross, you say you look for the audience, but you just gave us your tagline right here. Oh, yeah. You gave us your tagline in five words. You know, and that's, that's ideal. You gave your tagline. That's your brand. That's what's important to you. So you use that to structure it. So if there is, um, you know, certain things that, you know, you are consistent on, what's important for you, and then, um, you know, research, look it up. And um, definitely you want to know what's going locally, but definitely look beyond. We're here in the Internet age. Look beyond, and then you can kind of overall see the opportunities that are available in your niche. Um, and um, Can I say just one keep listening. Yes, sir. Yeah, um, I did start a groundwork. It's called Harvestationalist Freedom of Expression. So I had some groundwork. It's just building it, you know. So it's on yeah. Facebook, Harvestationalist Freedom of Expression. I'll definitely connect it so you know I can have some of the stuff that y'all doing. That's what I want to say. Yeah, great. So um. So for everyone out there, just, you know, artists, stay who you are. You have a message. You inspire others so much you may not even realize how much you do inspire. And um, spoken word artists, you have a special, special place in the community, and we all need you. And I had some great things coming up in 2015. I, I You know, I can't even include, include y'all in all this in my head, but. We're all working together. We about to, uh, how Martin say, we about to walk with the big dogs. We stepping with the big dogs. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we want to do some never done things. And um, next month I am going to bring on someone else. So I want everyone to take the time this month to get your clear identity and all going. I'm going to bring on another woman next month who did a show on the digital drummer. But she has talked about ways to generate revenue, you know, through Internet series. A lot of times we know doing these web series are great, they great exposure and all, and hopes and all is that someone will pick you up and then you can get it produced another way. But there are ways to generate revenue via mobile. And we know everyone's on their mobile phone, so I really want to bring her on because I, I know there are a lot of artists that did not realize the opportunity there are to generate revenue from mobile. So she specifically deals with the entertainment industry, and we're going to bring her on next month. And that's it. Everybody have a great month. Share the news, share the wealth, and please support each other.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.